Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome back, Pods fans, to another episode of Ring the Bell, Pods Talk. Nick Kreider here, joined as always by Heath Bell. Fernando Tatis has apologized to the media and to the fans and to his teammates. It says that he had a 20-plus minute meeting, all players, to discuss what happened in the steroid use and to apologize. And the players are on his side, and it looks like they're they're backing him. Joe Musgrove and Manny Machado both came out and said that you know they're going to support him. Keith, how do you think that meeting went down with the players? Well, I think it was a disappointing meeting. I think it brought our morale down, even though our morale sucks right now as a Padres. I respect Tatis for um, apologizing. He didn't necessarily have to. He talked to the players. I think I give him kudos for that. But um, I saw the video, the video of him apologizing and, you know, I try to give him the benefit of doubt that, okay, maybe it was a language barrier, but then I'm like, okay, if there's a language barrier, cause this is a major thing. Um, we would have an interpreter. There was no interpreter. So I'm pretty sure he knows English very well. I just, I, I took it as he got in trouble. Mm-hmm. He's in timeout. Like you kind of said earlier. Um, he's, he's a little kid that you know, mom and dad got mad at him or something and he can't go out and play anymore. Like he said at the very end that, I mean, he was, he's going to have shoulder surgery and that's a good thing. Finally, but um, finally he's having shoulder surgery. I think, like I think the Padres so literally said, look, you're doing this. I think the Padres are his dad or like Pedro Martinez would say your daddy and say, you can't go back to the Dominican this off season. Cause he was like, you know, I'm going to have search all soldier surgery in this off season. I guess I'm going to be in San Diego most of the off season. Why, why do we need to know that? The only reason he said that is because he's being punished and he's trying to say what they told him to say. Right. So he's, he's, he's just trying to win back brownie points with uh, the organization and the fans. Yeah. It's not like, well, I'm, you know, cause here's the thing. He could have said, look, I made a mistake. I apologize to the fans. I apologize to the owner, the, everybody, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to work really hard to come back healthy. I'm going to get surgery that I've needed. I'm going to use this time to try to become the best player I can be for the Padres and the cleanest player and vow that this will never happen again and how wrong I was and drugs are not good. 
but it didn't. It, it sounded like he was literally mom and dad scolded him and then came out and then he had to talk to his friends. I mean, Tatis is young, but when do we say he's too young? Machado got the big leagues when he was 19. He didn't have any of this issue. You know, there's some other guys. Juan Soto. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just, I mean, I, I hate that we're still talking about Tatis, but it's a topic that I think the reason, well, I think Tatis is the one of the reasons the Padres are, are sucking right now. I mean, do the Padres have the talent? Yes. All right. Have they put it together in the last month or so? No. Can they get hot at the end? Yes, but they're falling and they have the out of the out of the Atlanta Braves, the Phillies, and Milwaukee and San Francisco, they have the hardest last month of the season out of any of them, the hardest Big schedule. Time. I think it's 14 games against the Dodgers, is it? Mm-hmm. 13 or 14. It's just like, oh my gosh. And, we, is, and uh, we've lost like, I think 15 in the last 16 to them. So not a yeah, good it's trend. Not even we're playing 500 with them. So, I mean, gosh, t- I'll, I'm, I'll give you an I'm example. Playing 100 pa- with them. <laughs> Remember Pablo Sandoval when he was really good with the giants and they were yep. winning. There was this thing that he would gain like 40 pounds every off season. So when he was starting to get arbitration and contracts before he left and went to the Red Sox, the Giants basically said, look, you're not going to Venezuela where you're going to have to stay two weeks in San Diego. Then we'll let you go to Venezuela for a week. And then you have to stay two weeks. That was the only way they could regimen how this guy eats. And I I've heard Pablo, I heard stories. I don't know if it's true, but I heard stories that like he would have two large pizzas for dinner. That's insane i'm like even in my best day i i would get a whole one down but that was like and i was full and it was like pushing it now it's like the mini ones are i'm full with that but it's just like all that cheese man and pablo you know he's a big big guy so it's just one of those things i mean i love the guy to death but he he had a weight issue i mean maybe tatis has a growing up issue maybe he'll never grow up maybe i mean i'm hoping he will but like I said, you know, San Diego is going to have to like put him on a, a, a curfew, I guess. Yeah. The easiest way to say it. I mean, it's hate to, hate to say that it, he's 23 or 23, 24. Mm-hmm. That you have to give a curfew to somebody that's 23 years old. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing here, but Pedro Martinez said on, um, I think it was MLB Network, wherever he is um, on his panel, that Tatis is young and dumb. That he's basically been this, you know, superstar profile kid since he was a teenager. And at some point, you got to listen to your people. You got to listen to your teammates. You got to listen to your organization. And you got to stop being this all-knowing, you know, rich kid, son of a superstar. You know, yep. this, this kid with all this talent. So he's like, Tatish, you're not dumb. But when I say young and dumb, I'm, I'm saying that you need to grow up. And that's coming, that's coming from Pedro Martinez. And I think that's coming from all of us. I mean, we're just seeing it. I think Pedro knows a little, knows him a little bit more because he probably saw him when he was younger, Mm -hmm. but he's, he's had no accountability until today. And you could see it that, like I said, it seemed like the Padres, the owners, I bet you AJ Preller didn't even get mad at him, was disappointed, shook his head down, didn't yell at him. I bet you the owners came in there and said, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, and I mean, they have every right to. I mean, like, what the hell were you thinking, man? Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's like getting invited to like an expensive dinner and you get the steak and you get the, the, the bottle service and you make a fool out of the dinner and, and uh, you mess up the whole evening. Yeah. And then he had to apologize. And I felt like the apologize was general, like it was sincere, but it, it almost felt like he was told to apologize. Not that he really, really wanted to apologize. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like the apology was like, he was sorry. He truly right. was sorry. He wasn't just saying it to say it, but he said it because they made him say it. Of course. He, he, I think if it was up to him, he would just not say anything and just go, go disappear for 80 days or whatnot. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it's coming down to trying to protect the legacy for the future, right? Win as many brownie points and win as many people back as possible so you can get that Hall of Fame career back on track. And I know well, that's Hall crazy Hall of Fame to career, say. honestly, is tarnished. It's gone. I think I think there's there's a lot of time for him to, <laughs> to gain the respect back. I mean, he's so young. I mean, he can have a great career. By the time he retires, you know, that might that could be 15 years from now. People could totally forget about all this. He was 23 years old. It was a healing cream. It's not like, you know, Roger or Andy or Barry well, how do we know they, that were doing it? What then. if they did a healing cream and they no, just they, kept you doing right. it while they played? Yeah, but they, I mean here's the thing. Without Roger never admitted to it. Right. And he never tested positive. So why are we talking about Roger? I mean, Andy Pettit's the only one that's admitted. You're right. So if, but if we're going to forget about it, then we got to forget about Barry Bonds. We got to forget about Pete Rose betting on baseball. We got to forget about everything. Yeah. You know, well, I'm just, I, how are there exceptions then? I mean, well, David Ortiz is in there. I know. And I, and I, I'm a big believer that Pete Rose, the day he dies, that the next day he'll be in the Hall of Fame. I feel like the guys just don't want to give him the satisfaction. I feel like the writers don't want to give the satisfaction to Barry or, mcguire or you know roger or those other guys shilling shilling's yeah, not even a just, steroid user and it's just like i mean even there was talks about mike piazza was on steroids and i don't think it was you know i don't think he was but he's in the hall but it's like we're making these guys guilty they never were guilty and you know when they got tested or whatever they did now the certain guys that did get you know, caught like a rod and stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, if, unless you were caught, that's the exception. But here's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's all messy with the hall of fame and all this. And this is why I said last time with Tatis, this is going to linger over him for a very long time. Yeah. There's going to be certain writers because they have the vote for the hall of fame that are not going to forget about it. And they're going to write and they say, you know what, maybe on his 10th year, He'll, I'll vote for him or something if he goes off and has an unbelievable career or something like that. But the thing I think he's got working for him is that, okay, let's say he plays till he's 40. Is that okay to say? Okay. M- maybe like late 30s. So that's 15 yeah. plus years. And then yeah. you get on the ballot how many years after you retire? Five. Four years after? Five years after? Okay. So we're looking about 20 years from now. How many of those writers are going to be dead by then? Honestly, I, I mean, only probably about 10%. You think? <laughs> there's a lot like of young writers out there. I feel like there's a lot of old writers right now, though, that are, that cast the ballots. And I think well, that's I partially, see, partially the reason why these old school rules are still getting 
you know, we should have a writer on, on one of these shows because we should talk about it because I believe the, the players should get a third of the vote. I believe, you know, the, if you play 10 years, you can play in, if you played against that guy, even if it was for one year, you get a vote. Right. And I think the coaches, the same thing, get votes. And, um, then you could put players in there too, but like if the if the players and coaches think he's a Hall of Famer, it doesn't matter what the fans think. I I just think the writers, it's not right because writers have had I mean they've had problems with certain people, big time, uh, and just because they didn't they didn't get a good interview or they were uh, mean to him. Yeah, it's so biased. Because I'm not going to vote him. You know, it's just like when Greg Maddox, what was it? Four writers. I think it was two or four that were saying nobody deserves a first time, like uh, everybody vote for him. And then the hall of fame got rid of those four. And then Mo Rivera got the first time everybody voted, but unanimous. But the thing is, is Greg Maddox should have had it. And the other ones just got together and said, well, nobody should do that. Why? Because I want people to know my name. I want to write a story about it. Right. Well, that's the problem with so many writers these days is when they cast their ballots, Sometimes they go out there and put just the most ridiculous ballots out there for clickbait. Like there's a guy who votes for Jeff Kent and only Jeff Kent every single season. Yeah. I think Jeff Kent's a hall of famer, but it, or he's right on the cusp, but it's just that point you get, they need to change the hall of fame needs to change it. Cause Mm -hmm. I mean, there's guys I played against that just were filthy that were just good. And yeah. If players think you're a hall of famer, I think you should be a hall of famer. Not fans, because fans are yeah. your... Look, I mean, you guys have the biggest opinion out of everybody. You're the ones that played the game. You're the ones that shaped the game of baseball. And you played against, against you guys. guys. Exactly. Moving on to another topic, though, because Tatis and the Hall of Fame, that's a long ways away. And just Tatis's return is a long ways away. The Padres yeah. have been struggling immensely on the offensive side of things. Their pitching has been looking great. They won two to one twice against the Nationals, but they've also gotten shut out. They also put up two runs. They also put up two runs. They put up one run against the the Guardians. I was talking to a friend last night, and he said, what is it with San Diego? And when guys come over, they stop hitting. Like, is there something in the air? Is it Peco Park? Is there like a certain breeze that knocks the ball down or something? Because we've never really been known as an offensive team. Mm-hmm. Never. So are you asking me that question? Yeah. <laughs> so this is what I believe. I think, okay, so I've heard in San Francisco, when guys get traded to San Francisco, when you're taking batting practice, and I know this to be true during batting practice and playing, the ball does not carry during batting practice. You hit a ball, it's not going to go anywhere. Too close to the water? Too much humidity? It, or the, Just the way the wind is. And I, it's something to do with the humidity, wind, or whatever. But when the, it's a night game, and then it, it goes to night when the game starts. So you're hitting at 4 o'clock is different than when you're hitting at 7 and 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So guys come in, and they hit in San Francisco, and they're like, man, I thought I got that one. And I've heard the coaches tell them or other players, said, don't worry about it. Don't change your swing. It's going to change at nighttime. At night, that ball will leave the yard. So they're preaching you swing, keep swinging the exact same way. Okay. So it's like when 
you know, this is the thing happens. People come in and sometimes this happens at Petco Park and and San Francisco. They they hit a ball. It doesn't go out. So they're going to swing harder next time. Well, when you start swinging harder or trying to throw harder, it messes up with your mechanics. You, then you actually swing slower. Ball doesn't go as far because it's all about bat speed. Well, when I was in San Diego, Adrian Gonzalez, great hitter, would always tell me, well, it's different hitting here. It's different hitting here. I'm like, well, what's the difference? It's so big. Well, if it's so big, then why can't we have more singles, more mm-hmm. doubles? It doesn't pute it. And then he had this formula of math and all of a sudden we were supposed to hit. And then I did it one, actually me and the bullpen did it during a game. And then after the game, I brought it to him and I said, so with your math, we were supposed to have 700 home runs as a team. And he's like, no, I'm like, no, this is legitimately your math. Look at it on a piece of paper. We wrote it out. And I wish I still had that paper, but because he had, it was something formula, like our fences are so far this and that. But like, here's the thing. If you look in 06, seven and eight, who who had more home runs hit Petco Park, San Francisco, or Dodger Stadium? I mean, I'm assuming probably us, maybe Dodger it was, Stadium. It was Petco Park had more home runs hit than those two stadiums. Well, if it's so, so hard to hit home runs at Petco Park, why are they hitting more home runs in Petco Park than Dodger Stadium and in San Francisco? That's our team, or you're talking about just as a as a total? Just as a team. Anyone that comes in. Okay. Any, the visiting team and the, the home team combined, just home runs in general. So what I think happens is, and I guys come to Petco Park, and it's a bigger ballpark like Atlanta and, and L.A. Right, which they've brought in the dimensions in since the start. Exactly, and it doesn't help. So this is, leads me to believe as they're telling you to hit the ball farther or this launch angle stuff is not good. And back in the day, it was all about hit the ball with backspin. If it's got backspin, it's like a fastball. It's going to go further. Now it's all about launch angle. So if you hit a ball up high in the air, maybe it's not going to go. But if you hit a line drive, it's going to go. And I believe that the Padres have had so many hitting coaches over the years. There's a reason why our hitters aren't doing well. You look at other hitting coaches around the league or teams that hit. It's consistent. Their hitting coach stays there. So I don't know if it's, I mean, I know we've had some hitting coaches at the front office was like, you guys can need to do stuff to the guys, blah, blah, blah. And I remember Sandy Aldridgen telling our young hitters, he's with the Mets now, but he was telling our young hitters, hey, it's easier hitting in the big leagues, isn't it? And he goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, they throw more strikes. So if they throw more strikes, it must be easier to hit. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the, they throw more strikes, but the ball moves more. And I just believe that it's our hitting philosophy in San Diego. And I don't want to knock our hitting coach now or hitting coaches in the past, but it's one of those things. What's his motto is his motto. We need to find a good hitting coach that knows how, because here's the thing. If we're not hitting power numbers, I mean, in theory, let's just say Petco's a really big bark ball should fall more. Right. Unless we're hitting a lot of pop-ups. Right. I mean, in theory, just think about it. Definitely. If we're just, if we're just trying to hit base hits and not try to hit home runs because somebody asked me, well, why the young kids get called up and they have 30 home runs in double A AA and triple A, but then they get to the big leagues and they only have like five or six is because double A is a small ballpark. So is triple A and the ball carries, it flies out. So when they kind of peck, the wind doesn't blow straight out. It doesn't blow in. There's really no wind. You know, there's a little bit of wind, like, you know, blowing center on a, before it gets dark time, before like the first two or three innings. 
But after that, there's really no breeze from the coast mm -hmm. because I just think the way our stadium is, the wind doesn't blow. It doesn't blow through it. And it doesn't push the ball down, but it's just one of those things that I believe it's the hitting philosophy because Dodger Stadium, be. Dodger Stadium is bigger than Petco Park. They're hitting more home runs. San Francisco is the same. San Francisco has a lot of wind, like Wrigley Field. You know, the wind's always blowing. If it's blowing in, there's no chance you're hitting a homer. You know, if it's blowing out, you, all you got to do is hit the ball up in the air at Wrigley, and the ball just carries. So, I mean, the Padres have moved the fences in. They've done this. They've tried to help the hitters out. I just believe the hitters are trying to hit home runs, and any great hitter will tell you when they're trying to hit home runs, they don't hit home runs. When right. they're just trying to hit the ball – hard and they're just trying to hit backspin that's when the ball they hit the ball out is there anything to do with the batter's view or the batter's eye maybe like because it's such an open layout in center field that well i mean the only thing i've ever heard about that was when randy johnson when peco first opened the backstop the hit batter's eye like now there's bushes on the right and left mm -hmm. where randy johnson used to pitch and he was so tall and so he threw from you know three quarters from the side it would come out from the the sky. So they had to put trees up, <laughs> but he was the only one. And there's no picture like that. That's, I just, I really believe it's the philosophy. I mean, how many times have you seen this year that we're swinging at the first pitch or yeah. we're not swinging at the first pitch? It's like, we, okay, guys don't swing the first pitch. Just look at it. And then all of a sudden everybody's just not swinging at the first pitch and then strike one, strike one, strike one. Then it's like, okay, let's just jump on it. I mean, every philosophy we're doing is not working. Mm. It goes to the minor leagues. It goes to spring training. What is your philosophy? What What are you trying to do? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how many Padres hitting coaches there have been within the last, I guess, 20 years. But I, Honestly, I'd put a number and I'd say 15 or more. Let's see. I'll count it, it was, right now. So, I was there for five years and we had, I think, five. <laughs> so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12, 13, 14, 15. That's 15 in 20 years. There you go. Do you think that's a good thing? Forget Terri about our manager. Ter terrible. And you know why our pitching so consistent? Darren Balsey was there from 2003 to 2019. He had a philosophy. <laughs> Guys, we're going to do this. You're going to be, you're going to, I came from New York and everybody's like, Balsey's a little weird, but don't worry. He knows what he's talking about. Just trust him. And if everybody's telling you that, you're like, okay, it's a hitter. It's the same way. You know, he, his philosophy, it's a little bit out there. The way he says stuff's out there, but it works. To every, I guarantee we're probably going to have another hitting coach next year. And guess probably. what? It's going to be another philosophy. Okay, then it's like, okay, last year was this. Okay, this year's this. It might help one or two guys, but it's not going to help the whole team. It's not going to help the organization. We need to find somebody overpay them or something i don't know steal them from some other organization and just say this is what we're doing don't get somebody that some organization just got rid of because that guy's not right you know find somebody that he's trying to negotiate a contract and go and pay him twice as much as what he's going over there and say come over here i'll give you a four-year deal mm -hmm. or a three-year deal or something i mean we have to find a philosophy in san diego to hit we have good hitters but i almost feel like Nobody's telling Tatis how to hit. Nobody's telling Manny how to hit. Nobody's no. telling Soto how to hit. Nobody's telling Coneworth how to hit. Nobody's telling Eric Cosmer how to hit. Nobody's telling Will Myers how to hit. How Profar how to hit. Or they're telling Profar and Coneworth, and that's it. Right. 
Just, the, just the young guys. Manny Machado. Like, Manny, y- you kind of, like, you watch him. You don't tell him how to hit, but you, he's been around the league where you're like, okay, tell me what you, you your good things are and your bad things, and I'll help you. I'll notice when you're doing your bad things. What are your bad tendencies? You know, it's like, well, my shoulder flies open when I'm not doing well. Otherwise, it stays in, and then I'm usually seeing the ball real well. All right, I'll pay attention to that. Right. Soto's still young. You kind of go to him as respect that he's doing, you know, as a young talent. What does he do good? What does he do bad? But you should also look at videotape and see what he's done good and what he's done bad. Same thing with Tatis. Same thing with every other player in there. Even Will Myers. Mm -hmm. That's been around for a while. But like Grissom has had a horrible year, you know, hitting wise. Has anybody tried to change him yet? Or His his swing looks very different than it did. For the past two years, it's a little bit more compact and a little. I think he's got like more of a, a crouch in his his stance. I watched a comparison the other day, but he's hitting way worse than he's ever hit. But what I'm doing, what he's doing this year, isn't working. So you exactly, need to, you know, like who told him to do that from the previous years, and then why would you keep sticking with it? You keep sticking with it, and it was our hitting coach. Well, then there's a reason why our hitting coach isn't doing well. Well, our hitting coach as I mentioned, when he first got hired was 27 years old and he's 28 years old now. And there's a lot of guys on this team that are older than him as well. So there's a level of respect. I think that you have to gain and trust that you have to gain and seniority. And maybe a young guy is not the guy to bring a team's philosophy back. I don't want to say anything, but this goes back. I'm going to say it, but I don't, I'm, I don't use names because I don't want to dog anybody except for AJ. And AJ is the one who hired him. If you're all about Moneyball, you're all about cybermetrics, you're all about, well, you know, you know, the number game on base percentage more than batting average. A walk is just as good as a hit. And I'm pretty sure that's that's how his philosophy is, our hitting coach. I bet you, I mean, honestly, I'll tell, I'll be real honest. I teach 14-year-old kids and high school kids, and I tell kids, I can help you with your hitting if you want, because I'm a pitcher and I studied hitters, this and that, but I'll be the first one to tell you I am a C plus hitting coach, but I know some A plus hitting coaches. Like I'm pretty good if you're like 10 years old or 12 years old. And I can teach you when you get older, when you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, what the pitcher is going to try to do to you. So what the concept is of what you want to try to do against him, blah, blah, blah. But to break down your swing, I'm not the best one to break down your swing. You need to find a really good hitting coach. Right. Where I think a lot of hitting, I could easily go, well, I was in the big leagues. I study hitters. I know how to teach hitting. Well, I know how to teach hitting in basic. But when you get to high school and you really start breaking the swings down, uh-uh. I could tell you, I could teach you the opposite, what you should be thinking. Well, the, the pitcher is going to try to do this against me. So this is what I should try to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm going to try to... The, in this situation, the pitcher is going to try to get you to hit the ball the other way. So you really need to drive it the other way and don't try to pull it. Cause if you pull it, you're going to roll over or you're going to pop it up. So that concept, you know, the mental part, I can teach you really well, but I'm not going to blow smoke up your butt and say, well, yeah, I know more than you. I mean, you really think our hitting coach is telling you know, Soto how to hit Manny, how to hit no chance, even uh profile, how to hit or Will Myers. He's not telling any of those guys. You think he was helping? He was Eric Hosmer. Like he's probably just throwing flips and saying, okay, you're hitting the ball good. Hit solid. Square it up. Square it up. Well, shit. Anybody's dad can say, square the ball up. Yeah. You know, you got to break the swings down. And 
And that's that's what's happening in San Diego right now. We're we're just seeing bad hitting. I mean, if you look everybody in the playoff race right now, except for the Padres, everybody's got at least two guys hitting 300. Right. We got one guy right now. You know, and that's it. And when he falls and doesn't hit, we don't hit. And like you said, our pitching's been pretty good lately. I would say our bullpen's been really good lately. That's another thing I want to talk about. But but starting pitching can be a little bit better. It seems like right at the very end, they struggle. You know, we need maybe we need to pull them out. And after 70, 80 pitches, we don't need to always get to 100 pitches. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things that, um, you know, we, we need we need a hitting coach. Yeah, no, we I completely talent. agree. We just need we, a hitting coach. We're number one in the league in men left on base this season, which is you cannot have that happen if you want to be a playoff team. We're yeah. getting guys on base, but we're just not driving them in. Well, that's when pitchers, you know, they they pitch their thing and then they bear down and they make sure they're, they're bearing down a little bit more when somebody gets on base. Well, our hitters are like, you know, unfortunately, you know, good pitching beats hit, good hitting every day of the week. Yep. And if we're going to get to the playoffs, we're, we're going to see nothing but good pitching. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen. And and the Padres, come on, we got to do something. We got to do something. Otherwise, we're it's going to be it's going to be some like you know we fall and we fall. I got a bad feeling we're not going to make playoffs. Really bad feeling just because if we don't turn things around. Yeah, I sure hope we do. But you said you want to talk about the bullpen. Josh Hader in his five games with the Padres has a 16.2 ERA. What's going on there? I think the philosophy of pitching has been a little bit different here. To me, he's looked a little bit different. I don't think he's I, – I, I don't know him at all. So, But when you switch when you switch teams, sometimes the pitching coach has a different philosophy and different way to go after. I mean, I remember when I switched teams, they didn't talk about um, – like my biggest thing was who could I throw a first pitch breaking ball to? Right. And a lot of teams didn't have those stats. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I need to know what first pitch breaking ball, what the percentage of swinging it at. And it was like, well, my older team, you know, I'd say like San Diego had that, but that was something that, you know, I was really, I kind of started in San Diego. So I don't know if they still do it. And then also, what we started in San Diego, I think it was uh, Mike uh, Mike Adams started this. He said guys hit different, and we kind of agreed. He was talking about it. The first three, like the first inning, their first at bat, their second at bat, the next you know three innings, and then the last three innings, their last at bat or their fourth at bat. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're a little bit more aggressive at the end of the game than they are in the beginning of the game. You know, it's like they're eighty percent more aggressive to swing at first pitch in the eighth or ninth inning. But in the first or second, you know, the first inning, they're like 20% and they're only 30% in the, you know, fourth or fifth inning. So like they're second a bat, but overall they're about 40%, you know, or you could even say 50%, but at the end of the game, it's 80% or they don't swing at all. They're at 20% because they want to take, they want to see the pitch. Mm-hmm. Well, that I know Mike Adams used to want to see that. So then, you know, I kind of carried it. That, that was really good information too. Well, do they still do that? I mean, Milwaukee, I don't know what Milwaukee does. And I don't know what San Diego does now. But it looks like, to me, it's been a little different. And then this is really what chaps my hide. So, Hader, he's pitched. I know he hasn't pitched the best, okay? But you could throw some bullpens and talk to him and say, okay, what's going on, man? You know, are you just not feeling right with the catcher? What's the deal? Because when you don't have a good catcher and you're trying to throw a certain pitch, I remember in Arizona there was a time – the catcher and I just didn't see eye to eye 
and or even like in Miami with John Buck, it was hard to pitch because it seemed like I was shaking off every pitch. I'm like, dude, are you not on the same page with me? Where the catcher's like, no, listen to me. I'm like, well, it's my career. Let me throw what I want to throw. So there's that going back and forth. That could be going back and forth. I think getting a, a catcher in the offseason is a big priority for us. But here's the, the what chaps my hide is the manager comes and says, Hater's not going to be our closer right now. So-and-so is. That tells the reliever, Hater, that I, I don't like you. I don't have any confidence in you. Even though he said we're going to need him down the road. That's the politically correct thing to yeah. say. Well, Nick Martinez has gotten the job done, though. And Hater's had five opportunities that he's not been able to. So put him in a different role. Try him out one time. And, and just all you have to do is put him, bring him in the eighth inning. Yeah. Gets the job done. And you could say what other people have said in the past. Well, I felt like those guys were the most important guys of this game to get out. And I need my main guy to get them out. Right now. Now it's like, okay, I'm still one of his guys. I want to be that ninth inning guy, but I felt he feels like this is the hardest thing. So, okay. And then, you know, get that zero under your belt, get a good inning in your belt and get that confidence. Because as a closer, as soon as you lose confidence, you're done. You are, you could ask any closer. As soon as you start second-guessing yourself, you feel like the manager second-guessing yourself, the players are second-guessing yourself. It's really hard to be that dominant guy again. It really is. Yeah. I had that time. I had that in Miami. Uh, Ozzy Guillen didn't think I was doing the right thing. Even the catcher was like, you got to just listen to me and we can get these guys out. I'm like, but I don't pitch like that. I don't. Bud Black used to get mad at me because at 3-2, you know, I used to throw a 3-2 curveball. And he's like, you're throwing 98 miles an hour, throw 98. Mm-hmm. And I go, that's how I, that's my game. That's how I pitch. And they're like, you need to throw 98. I'm like, that's not how I pitch. So it, there's a philosophy there. It really is. I mean, there's, if you're not confident as a reliever, you're done. You can't just go up there and go, don't hit this pitch. I hope I have a good inning. I hope I have a good inning because it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Yeah. Do pitchers ever go and, take therapy or like do like any sort of therapeutic workouts to kind of clear their head it's called the weight room (laughs) (laughs) um you know honestly a good reliever or something we don't you don't you the best thing is you you got to forget about it you got easier said than done though you know i mean it's always there that's why closers come and go that's why relievers come and go if you can find a guy that literally can just let it go like Rivera or Hoffman, then you have Hall of Fame guys. Yeah. You can, you can have guys that are good for a couple of years, and as soon as something happens, shit happens. I mean, I was really good for a five, six-year span, and then all of a sudden, Ozzie Guillen didn't like the way my style, neither did the catcher in Florida, and I really never became a closer again because it was, well, we're not sure. And then I went to Arizona the next year. J.J. Putts um, didn't do well. And then they brought me in to close and I closed, I think it was, I was, I was six for six for save opportunities, but our team lost first place and they went with Brad Ziegler. They're like, yeah, we, but we gotta, we gotta switch it up. Cause we didn't, you know, Ziegler's going to be here next year and we don't know where you're going to be. I'm like, well, I have another year, but they traded me. That was kind of <laughs> the M I knew I was getting traded then. Whack. So it, it's just one of those things that, it was uh, it was a little frustrating, but it was like I I was did my job. Yeah, I was six for six. Like seems like there's a lot of things that are out of your control when you're a reliever. Well, especially 
Yeah, because if you, I mean, here, plain and simple. Do you think Bob Melvin wanted Hater out there, but then AJ was like, no, we that was a horrible trade. We should not have had him out there. We need somebody else out there. And he probably said, okay. Because, I mean, I, I love Melvin. I do. But I think he's, you know, Oakland, he listens to the front office too much. Yeah. He he will please them, but I think he's good for players. But I think when the front office starts managing a game or coaching a game, that's wrong. Definitely. Do not like that. I hope we get back on track, though. We're running out of time here, but, you know, we got to get this offense going. We got to get the bullpen, their confidence back, starting pitching, keep doing your thing. Let's hope all these guys get healthy. Soto was scratched with back tightness, but yeah, hopefully that's really just quick, precautionary. We- Kansas City, we should be able to beat San Francisco's yeah. this next, you know, we, we should everybody in our division we're playing. Kansas City should be one of those teams that we should be able to beat. And then then it's go time. We're playing everybody in our division. You want to yep. win, we got to beat those games. So that yep. every yep. game's gonna mean something. So we still have a chance. We if still do. If you're a playoff team, you win these games. This exactly. is Ring the Bell Pods talk, Nick Kreider, Heath Bell. We'll see you next week. Go pods. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com.